Hey, Pillow Talk Pod Squad. It's your girl, Simone, and you are now tuned in to episode 307 of season three of Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast. So as we all know, May is the month of mental health awareness, and I wanted to bring three really, really important people to the culture to this podcast to discuss their journeys, the things that they've gone through, um, you know, as a child growing into adulthood, and just really just sharing their black experience. Um, so I never want my guests to ever feel like I'm telling their personal stories for them. So if we, please, if we can please go around the room and just, you know, explain to the crowd or the audience, I should say, you know, who you are, what you've got going on, what you do for a living, where people can find you on the internet and all that good stuff. You want to start, Tamika? Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for to see like, who was going to start. Ladies first. Yes, thank you. Um, well, I'm Tamika. Uh, you can, number one, find me on Twitter or Instagram. So on Twitter, I am at Mika Banks underscore. And on Instagram, I am the dot meekend, um, M-E-E-K, end, just like the weekend. Um, you can also find me in Soho. I do beauty <laughs> PR. I just do beauty and PR. And other than that, I write. So I write for websites such as birdie.com. I also had a little stint at InStyle. I was an intern maybe about two years ago coming out of college. So that's kind of like what sparked my interest in writing. I graduated out of journalism from University at Albany. So I knew that I wanted to do something writing, just didn't know what, where, how. But I ended up in the right path. So I ended up at InStyle, had a little stint at Interview Magazine as well. But um, from here on out, I'm just doing whatever I feel like needs to be done for myself in terms of just speaking how I want to, doing what I want to, and doing something with a meaning. Get it, girl. (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. Nice. I got to follow that. Okay, cool. So (laughs) (laughs) my name is Renee Bull. You can find me on Instagram um, at Miss Bull, and that's just like the team Bulls, B-U-L-L. Um, let's see, what's, what is my life about? Um, I grew up in Delaware, so my biggest mission in life was to get out of Delaware, and I have been successful at doing that, but, (laughs) um, before I left Delaware, I became the first African-American Miss Delaware USA in 2015, which was really awesome because I was able to gain a full ride to school, so, um, that's how I graduated in communications, um, and I was working for Delta, living in New York um, for the past two years. And then I quit my job a year ago. And I now I am it. an entrepreneur. I respect um, <laughs> So, yeah, I'm excited to be here because a lot of what led me to quitting my job was my making it important. I, I guess putting my mental health in the forefront. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited to be here and chat about that. Yes. Yeah. How do I follow these two? Up? <laughs> um, how are you guys doing this, Irv? Um, personal trainer. Um, I own, founded uh, my own company called Quantum Leap Fitness. Also founded the NAU Boot Camp, which happens in the city. Um, you know, I've been training for close to about nine years, nine to ten years. Currently independent, started my own company after, like, you know, you realize corporate isn't it, and then you start your own way. Um, been fortunate enough to, you know, work with so many people at this point um even you right yeah you've come to class before you've been to class before right um yeah i mean chill don't tell them honestly i was gonna say maybe i have to check it out you know know what he's Um, mad mad fit right now i hope i hope so i hope so my lungs are literally like looking at you like no i get paid for this um but um no i mean as of now i'm I'm blessed. I, I train out of Soho. I co-own a gym in Elmont, uh, Long Island, 
and you know I'm fortunate to work with a lot of I guess a lot of the movers and shakers of New York City I guess right so um you know I guess you know people who have a great influence um in New York happen to be clients whether it's like artist managers artists influencers or whoever um and the only reason that even matters really is because unfortunately it takes um things like health and fitness to hit a wide scope for people to really understand its importance right so if you know if i'm training you know ev- and you know everyday people which is always dope you know they're going to change the people around them yes and and that's always cool and and the beauty is training somebody who has a stronghold i guess in new york city and they now impact hundreds and thousands of people because they're documenting their journey right mm-hmm. and yeah. um and i'm just fortunate to be able to be trusted in that position right now Right. right. Look That's at these awesome. influencers in this room. Hey, man. <laughs> Honestly, I've been trying to be an influencer. They get so much. Okay, free listen, stuff. girl, you are an influencer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I manage influencers, and I'd be like, wait a minute, can we switch real quick? Right, because right. That's what I'm trying to say. These and contracts, their prices, though. Oh my god. Like, let's Ooh, just. Let's that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. That influencer right. check, though. Oh I'll be back goodness. for that one too. Okay. Next season. They live well on that. They live well on Yes, and we will get into that later. For sure, because we gotta talk about. Instagram right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So I kinda wanted to um take it all the way back and start off with talking about our childhood. Because whether we believe it or not, a lot of the things that we've been through as children, a lot of the things that we've experienced as children have really molded us to be the the men and women that we are today. Mm-hmm. Um so I kinda just wanted to um talk to each of you about like a quick little backstory of how you grew up, what your home setting was like. Um, and maybe any trauma that you've noticed that was reoccurring in your past that has kind of been prevalent in your in your future and how you've been able to cope or remedy that. So um, I'll start. For me, um, I'm a, a small town girl from Albany, New York. That's upstate um, from the city. Um, I grew up there, born and raised, literally didn't move to anywhere else except for New York City a year and a half ago. Um, I have always been one that I consider as like an introvert. Um, I'm extroverted when I need to be, when I'm in networking spaces or I have to, you know, be vocal and present for work or whatever it may be. But I really enjoy my time like recharging and just being able to just be free and not have to worry about judgment. And I think what it is for me is like, I still have that lingering feeling of like fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of just keep to myself or I'm not an overshare in a sense. Like I share enough information for people to feel like, oh yeah, we get her, we love her. But you literally, it's only the tip of the iceberg that is really exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, like some of the things I used to do when I was little is like, even when kids used to come to the door and be like, hey, Simone, you want to come out and play? I would say no. Like I had, looking back on it, I'm like, you're stupid. Why did you like (laughs) deny like interact interacting and being social yeah. with kids but it literally is just that that innate fear of like a kid like making fun of me or picking on me because in those moments when I was vulnerable that did happen and I just was just so shook from like bullying that I just wanted to completely protect myself Mm -hmm. so I would like bury myself in like magazines and I would like make my own magazines and I would cut them up and like just envision myself being like an editor for like a magazine in the future and just like creating this like ideal like dream world as a child that I never really got to sit with reality. So I think like growing up, I kind of have just been trying to force myself into this so-called reality and like trying to step outside of my comfort zone without being burned. And it wasn't until 
I want to say, what am I, 26 now, maybe until like 23, that I actually start to step outside of my comfort zone and really stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are just some things that happened to me during that year that were pretty traumatic for me that just really pushed me to be more vocal and be more firm and stand up for myself, but not just myself, but for other people who have been struggling with things that I've been struggling with or just kind of being a voice for my community in any sense that I can be, which is why I started this podcast, because if I can't, if I can't actually speak to that experience, I at least want to provide a platform for people to speak to that experience so they can inspire somebody else. So that's kind of like been my journey. I mean, growing up, like I wasn't I didn't have a, a bad life. Like, my, I've come from a two-parent home. Like, my parents provided for me. And some people would consider that, would say that I'm a privileged kid. And I and I am. I mean, my parents worked very hard for what they what they had and they provided for us. But I also worked hard for what I wanted, too. Um, so, but I think, for me, it's not that, like, there were anything, there was anything that was, like, super traumatic. But what was really traumatic for me is feeling like I couldn't be um, emotionally open. Like my dad, it, it wasn't until like I was like in my late teens where he actually would like sit down and hear me out and listen to my feelings and my emotions and, and my ideologies without shutting me down. Because mm-hmm. before my parents would be like, what are you crying for? Like, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Or you need to do this. There's no there's no explanation around this. So You know, sometimes you can't be mad at people when they say that. I feel like a lot of the older generation, when they say things like that, it's because people said that to them. Yeah. So they're literally going off of what they've been taught. So sometimes, and I've taught myself that too, to like kind of give people like the, I understand. Like, I understand why you're like this. You're mm-hmm. not like this because you want to be like this. You're like this because that's what you've been taught. Yeah. It's like a thing that's been taught in like generations. So right. I just give them that pass. Like, okay. We have a lot of work to do, but... That's true. Yeah. But I feel like it's on us to undo that yeah. for our parents. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, I completely agree. We, it has to stop somewhere, and I'm really, I, I really feel like it's going to stop with our generation. For sure. Because we just seem to be just so much more aware, uh, like more, much more self-aware, I should right. say. Um, so I, I totally hear what you're saying, but for <laughs> me, like I had to like tell my, I had to sit my dad down. I was like, look, if you want a, a, a beautiful relationship with, with me... I think that you really need to listen and hear me out when I'm trying to speak to you. I'm not trying to come for you. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I really just want to be heard. And that's always been like my struggle, like in life is just being heard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I connect with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> I connect with that a lot. Like, so um, I'm one of seven kids. So I grew up like all I'm, I guess like the whole time I'm just like, is anyone paying attention? Because there's so many other people to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And then also like I'm the middle. So I have three people older than me, three people younger than me. So I have like a sense of responsibility because I'm like, I'm their big sister. But then it's like, you not grown because these are your big sisters and brothers. So it was always like a weird kind of thing. Like you aren't old enough to watch this movie with them, but you're old enough to babysit those three. Like, I'm confused. Mm -hmm. So it was always like this kind of weird balance in my life where it was just like, I'm just going to figure it out myself because it was to a point where I feel like my parents were like, oh, well, she's good now. So the younger ones, we really got to focus on them. And then I kind of got lost in the sauce. And I don't think I realized that until I was older while, while my mom was like, well, why don't you ask for help? And why don't you do this? And I'm like, I just got used to figuring it out by myself and that's just how I move. Like, I'm just like, I'm just gonna figure it out. And so I think like now I'm doing a lot of the hard work of like looking at myself and being like, why are you like this? Like, this is not okay. And I think because you do something for so long, you do get to a place where you're like, this is how I am. 
but then you also get to a place of like this is how I am because of these things Mm -hmm. and growing up with a large family and my parents were pastors I feel like I was just in this like unrealistic I feel like I grew up in an unrealistic world of like this is like we went to church every day and like everyone's you know, supposed to be a good person because you so went like to a church. perfect lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And then when I went to high school, um, everything changed because I went to a, I went to school with black kids. I was going to school with all white kids. Mm-hmm. I was at charter. I went to school with black kids when I went to high school and I was like, I have been lied to. I am confused. <laughs> I have been bamboozled. <laughs> I have been bamboozled. What is happening? So everything kind of hit me at once and you know, I think the biggest thing I've learned now that I'm older is you cannot fault people for what they do not know. Right. My parents, I for a long time, I felt like, why didn't they warn me? Because a lot of things happened in high school that I had. I'm just now unpacking that really affected me. And I always thought, like, why didn't they warn me? I feel like they set me up for failure because they they presented this world of church and goodness to me. And I went in and in ninth grade, I'm being sexually assaulted. And I'm confused mm-hmm. and I'm harboring that because I feel like you didn't warn me. You mm-hmm. didn't protect me. But I think the the hard conversation I had to have with my mom was she was like, to be honest, when I married your dad, like we were virgins. We didn't know anything mm-hmm. like that was our right. first our relationship was us. We only know us. Mm-hmm. So what you were going through, we hadn't even seen that before. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know that existed. And for years, I'm sitting here like I am confused, like but having those conversations now as an adult I think forgiveness is the biggest tool that you can possess and the biggest key to like self-realization because there are a lot of things that we're holding against people that they didn't know that they could have done something differently to help you you know so I guess that's like a little bit about my youth but you know yeah I'm doing a lot a lot of the hard work right now so Mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of it yeah I think I have like a conjoined like experience from both of you Mm -hmm. like I had like a couple years where I was like an introvert, but I'm an extrovert. Like I'm always like the energetic one. I was always the person outside playing. Mm-hmm. I would probably knock on your door. <laughs> <laughs> and like I also did have a religious mom. So my mom um, grew up as a Jehovah Witness. Um, my mom's whole sided family. So my grandfather, my grandmother, my uncle, my cousins, everybody else. My mother, um, she's the only one in the family that did not marry within the religion. So it took me a while and I had to like actually like backtrack into my mom's past, into my dad's past to kind of understand like their parenting styles, to understand like their relationship and everything else because I felt like bamboozled. I like growing up your parents like your heroes, you know, and like you look at them this one way, like that is my superwoman, my superman, Mm -hmm. like I look at them with like so much respect. And then like towards like the ending, not like the ending, but like as you're like growing up, they start to make mistakes or like they do different things or like they're not doing things like the way they they used to like it's different and you're like wait what's going on with my heroes like why are they doing this so for me like growing up um, my parents for as much as I can remember my parents relationship was like always rocky from like my childhood you know like those little memories that you remember from like childhood mm-hmm. like bits and pieces 
I remember like bits and pieces of like being like really happy. Like I was like attached to my dad. I used to always like follow him everywhere. Like I remember like I have like a scar on my arm because he was on his way out to like go to um, Europe. And I wanted to say bye to him so bad that I ran out of the house, but I ran right next to the iron. So I like skidded past it, but like I kept running and I just wanted to go say bye to my dad. And like, I used to be like really attached to my mom too. Like my mom used to work really late hours. So whenever she was home, it was a good day. And then I remember like a period, maybe like in, I want to say like middle school where like I just lost that connection with my parents. Mm-hmm. Like they were, I was no longer like the, the daddy's girl, the mommy's girl. Like they were just always working and they were like always stressed out and like they were like always fighting. So there was not really that like time that I like had with them where I could be like, oh my God, like this is great. It was more so like, let's find something to distract Tamika from like everything that's happening and like, let's deal with this like amongst ourselves. So my parents would put me in like camp and they would put me like after school programs and like I have an older brother but that's my half brother so he was never really in the house and he lives in Europe anyways with his mother so I was technically an only child so I had so much time by myself and like as I started like growing older like everything just kind of like started like hitting all at once it's like those feelings of like I have all these people around me but yet I feel alone Mm -hmm. and I have all these questions about like bigger things yeah I have all these questions about bigger things in life but like no answers Mm -hmm. and like as my mom is like a Jehovah Witness like, I would have, like, these questions, and then, like, I would always go to um, the Kingdom Hall with her. So I was always there. I was always present every Sunday, every Wednesday for Bible study. And I would just have these questions, and I'm just sitting there, like, wait, there has to be, like, a loophole to, like, some of this stuff. Like, you're telling me, like, this is the law, but, like, what if this happens? Or, like, what if that happens? Like, you know how there's just always a loophole to something? And I have all these questions. I would ask my mom, but she would, like, just, like, pull out the Bible and have me, like, read a verse. And she'd be like, this is why but that's not like really an answer that I need, you know? Mm -hmm. Like that's not answering my question. You're literally just telling me what someone told you. Like you're not telling me what's happening. So I think for me, what kind of happened was like, I kind of just like separated myself from my parents. Like I had like all these questions, like all this like internal stuff that was going on and I had no idea where it was coming from. Mm -hmm. So I have multiple people around me day by day, but like when I go home, it's just me. Mm-hmm. and it's just my parents fighting and then it's just me and then there's like the times where I could go to my parents but like are you really listening I would be like oh mom like I want to spend time with you or like something like that she'd be like all right cool like later but mm-hmm. like later would like never come or like I would be like oh like I want to like do this my parents would be like why would you want to do that or like they would just like call me out on like little things so yeah. I kind of felt invalidated yeah and like I think like Ooh, most yeah most of my trauma started from feeling invalidated mm-hmm. it came from like me saying something like you made me feel like this today and they're like no I didn't yeah right. how are you gonna tell me how I felt like <laughs> right. even as a child like I have yeah. feelings too and like yeah. I feel like that's where most of my trauma started where I started suppressing my feelings mm-hmm. or like my emotions because I felt like well no one's gonna listen anyways exactly. or no one's gonna understand what I'm seeing anyway so I would just like tuck it down so if my parents were fighting and like I am crying because like I don't want to see this like I would just go in my room and just cry by myself mm-hmm. or like if my dad says something to hurt my mom and like I knew that was really hurtful I wouldn't call him out on it I would just go to my room and just like think about it to myself mm-hmm. so when things started getting real bad that's probably like when I got to high school and I just felt like you know what like if my parents are not gonna raise me the way that I think that I should be raised I'm just gonna raise myself like I stopped going to the kingdom hall because I felt like personally I loved the religion and like I was raised into it but like it just wasn't for me like there was just certain things that I connect with but I just didn't connect with so it was just kind of hard to have that conversation with my mom where like I want to be religious but this is not the religion for me and my mom took it more as a personal attack rather than like a this is her growing up or like let her find it out on her own she actually didn't talk to me for a little while and I was like really hurt by that because it's like I really just want to find out what it is 
that I don't connect with with the religion, but I don't get it yet. And you're just forcing me. You're telling me that I need to be here every yeah. single weekend, but every single weekend is kind of driving me crazy and because like I feel like yeah, I just don't want to be here. Like mm-hmm. I want to be with my friends or like I want to act my age and like I'm seeing like these and nothing against the religion at all. This is just my personal feelings, but I'm seeing like little kids that like should be like celebrating their birthdays or I want to celebrate my birthday or like I want to do certain things and like you can't do it and mm-hmm. there's just like all these laws and I understand what you're telling me as to why it's happening but I want to know why it's happening mm-hmm. like there's like a deeper I'm trying to figure out the deeper meaning for myself so she took it more as like a personal thing and like by the time I got to high school I was just like you know what like I've been like borderline with like all these rules and regulations like I can't do this I can't do that so I just started doing everything like by the time I got to high school um I had like a boyfriend I was smoking I was drinking every weekend I wanted to go out with my friends and like my mom is like oh my gosh you're going down the wrong path but like I was like a straight A student like Mm. I did all my homework and I like went to a school on 23rd street in between 5th and 6th avenue I had like the the uniform and everything I went to school every day I was a good kid but like I just had because you didn't abide by her yeah it was just like it it made me like less of a child so Mm -hmm. it's just like instead of like oh my god she has like good grades oh my god like she's doing great in school it's you're doing this why are you doing this your room is a mess like I never heard positive affirmations in my house ever there was never a day where like they're like you're doing great keep it up sweetie like you're doing great I never heard that in my house yeah I never even like felt like I was doing a good job I felt like I was a royal fuck up mm-hmm. I felt like whatever I did there's no pleasing you yeah I could wash the dishes they're gonna be like well you didn't wash this one correctly <laughs> I could like scrub the tub they're like well you missed a spot right. so it's just like they're like nitpicking little things and it's just like I'm like why I can't even please you mm-hmm. so now I feel like I'm not doing anything correct I feel invalidated so now who am I gonna take that out on I'm not going to take that on you. I'm going to take that out on myself because now that's what I feel about myself. I now feel like I cannot do anything correctly. And that starts from home. Mm-hmm. You start to feel like you cannot do anything correctly based on people, how they treat you. So I used to like go to school and like I would do great in school. And then I would look at my grade and I'm just like, crap, I cannot bring this home to my mom. It could be a 90 and I'll bring it home to my mom like ecstatic. Like I just got a 90. I studied for that. I did a great job. My mom would be like, why didn't you get a 95? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. That's it. Yeah, like there, I, there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. I, I, I can super understand the, the part of uh, not feeling like getting reassurance or like validity where they're giving you positive reinforcement and stuff like that, right? Um, so I grew up in Brooklyn, started in Brownsville, then we moved to Canarsie. And um, both parents are Haitian. I'm Haitian-American, right? And when, you know, when your parents come from the islands, all they know is like hard work and and my mom's had moments where she was working two jobs and my dad worked a job and so it was three of us I'm mid, I'm the middle kid and what would happen is they did in my opinion like the best they could the way they thought they could you know what I'm saying but then we were kind of left alone a lot right so meaning like they'll give us a directive but it was it was left up to us to you know follow it or I could get home from school and nobody's checking my homework like I had that ability to get away with it because you know we're behind, we're below the poverty line at this time and they're working hard and and you know they're tired so we're taking advantage of that and we're young because we don't know any better and I think you know some of the trauma that comes from you know those early ages especially when you said like you know trauma starts at home it definitely can and um it starts around you your community around you because what happens is at least in my case is that like you said you don't see as much value right so this so I did a panel the other day where we kind of talked about um trauma and, and mental health and depression and um and you know my point on that was how like violence in the inner city or like 
violence at home or the, the trauma at home, the arguments at home, whatever, sexual abuse, whatever the case may be, those things force kids, you know, of, you know, black and brown kids a lot of the times to lose a sense of hopelessness, right? So you don't develop value, right? You don't develop value in health. So you're eating negatively because you're not thinking about yourself being worth more. You know what I'm saying? You're you're smoking at an early age because you're not correlating the idea that this could be bad for me, right? At, at, at twelve. That wasn't even my initial thought. Right. I was just right. like, well, it's, it's I not a hate thought life. at all. Not that you know I hate that? life, but like I'm just trying to escape. Like I want to smoke and like I right. want to get high and I just want to forget today ever happened. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not even thinking about my lungs. I'm not thinking about anything else. Like exactly. I'm literally it's, just it's thinking not, about escaping. It's not a thought at all. You know what I'm saying? So. And but that's what you seen like around you or whatever because right. you know you don't grow that stuff in your own backyard, right? So <laughs> so to my point, you know that health promotion goes down and you start to do whatever the case may be. You start to live however you feel like living, and then the state of the youth around you, your friends, your peers, or even just growing up, the value goes down now, and that's where you know we end up either dead or in jail or you know just in in you know positions that we don't want to be in or end up getting lost in the system and having to find ourselves at the age of 19, 20, 30 years old or whatever the case may be. So I think I'd say I was a product of uh, forms of that, which ended up, you know, turning me into who I am today, I think, because, you know, mental health is a thing in in my family, like down the line between, you know, my immediate family to like cousins or whatever, like that's, that's a thing. So, you know what I would consider that? I would consider that generational trauma. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I, I just wrote, I recently just wrote an article for the cover tour where I just kind of like discuss what I believe is generational trauma, where, um, especially for you as like a Haitian American, where you have like parents who are working like late hours, who are always stressed out. And it's like their parents probably did the same thing. So it's like your parents don't know better. They don't know when to stop or like when to value themselves or like when to try to search for something better because you literally have to just provide for your children, yeah. for yourself. You're not thinking and, about and that. You're that drinking happens, survival of the fittest. And that mm-hmm. happens today, right? And that happens to a lot of us today, whether you're entrepreneurs or have a regular job, that's just it just grows it becomes you know but generational you trauma they Absolutely. wouldn't see it as trauma they would see it like this is life no right they wouldn't but right. we're more aware like you said earlier you know what I'm saying like we get it we have the internet right like mm-hmm. we right. we see things so much more clearer than 1972 yeah. you know what I'm saying right. and like in our families used to like joke well, I don't know about y'all families but my families used to joke about therapy yeah, like, for sure. Like my dad would be like, "Oh, you want to go see a therapist? Right. Go sit on the couch over there." <laughs> right. Oh, like, that wasn't that wasn't even a discussion <laughs> in my house. Like it was yeah. like a hush hush thing when I started therapy. It was like we're not going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Like I would tell my mom after school, like I had to when I was in high school, starting at the age of fourteen, I had sessions like every single week. So I used to do group sessions, and mm-hmm. then I had like a private session. So I started off in family sessions, and those literally went in the drain Mm -hmm. so I started doing like a private session by myself and I used to go every single week but it was like a like I didn't even tell my friends like I would be like yeah like I have to do something or like I would like be home like yeah like I have to you know where I'm going like we wouldn't talk about it but like just know that I'm going to therapy but then like my mom used to use it like as like an insult like yeah like you should go to therapy you should talk to your therapist about that ask her like why you're so rude like who got you a therapist at 14 you said no my mother so um context behind that so when I was in high school I developed a cutting disorder so I actually had the cutting disorder for like about a year and a half before my mother had found out but I was just really good at like hiding it I didn't talk about it I didn't talk to my friends about it it was just something that I did personally so it just started off kind of like when I got like really angry like when my parents were fighting and like for me it was more of like a release of like like emotions like I want to punch something but like my hands like really fragile so I know I can't punch something and break it but like I feel like also a lot of the things that happened in my house 
because I felt invalidated and because I felt like for the blame of a lot of the things that were happening in my house, I took that out on myself, which I know now that I shouldn't have. But at that point, like I didn't have anybody else to blame. So I blamed sure. myself. So I used to like just take a lot of the things that happened to me out on myself. So I um, I used to cut myself. And once I really developed a habit and it was happening all the time, that's kind of like when I started like just <clears throat> really hiding it better than I would have before. So I'm talking about like wearing long sleeves. And like when yeah. I was in high school, like I used to have a uniform so I had long sleeve shirts and short sleeves but we used to have cardigans so I would always wear my cardigan and I would always make sure that I have my hoodie on or my cardigan and nobody asked me questions nobody even like thought to ask me a question so that's kind of like how it got worse and like my mom only noticed by like accident by like me just kind of like slipping up and like she kind of just like realized like on my shirt like I had blood on my shirt so she was like roll up your sleeve and then she actually saw it so my mom actually never asked me and it's kind of funny because I thought about it recently and I was like I don't even talk to my mom about it ever like we never talked about it again mm. from that point on. But because um, it's so taboo, like for most black people, like things like that are taboo. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to talk about it. We want to act like it didn't happen. But my mom, like literally she saw it. She was just like, OK, great. This, this is more on my plate. Like she just added like she acted like it was a burden like on her. So sure. she mm -hmm. put it she put it in the back of her mind. She brought me to a therapist the following week. And then I just started my session from there. And I've been um, with the same therapist ever since. So if I'm turning 24 this year, so that's going to make 10 years. Wow, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah, and it's a woman of color as well. So, like, I like to view her, I view her as my second mom, kind Aww. of. Like, I have, like, my mom, but, like, I actually feel like, I feel like God actually just brought her to me. Like, in mm -hmm. that whole office when I first started, she's, like, the only black woman in that office, which is amazing, by the way. It's very sad growing up to actually, like, witness that. She's the only black woman there. Um, there's other black people there, but she's, like, the only one that was actually doing sessions. But, like, I used to think, like, I think God actually brought her to me mm -hmm. because, like, he gave me what I needed when I needed it and like she was literally like that driving person like if something good happened to me I wouldn't be like oh my god let me go tell my mom like let me go tell my therapist like I know she's gonna be like yeah. so proud of me because she's like seeing like this whole progress within me so like for me therapy became less of like a chore like at first I didn't want to go but it became less of a chore and more of like a okay I actually do need this. Like, I need to go. And, like, there would be, like, times where I, like, call myself out on stuff. I'm like, all right, you're bugging out. Like, you need to go to therapy. Or, like, I know that I'm going down, like, a bad path. And I'm like, yeah, no. Make an appointment now. Like, you got to do this. Mm -hmm. it, it became less of a, like, a I need to be there or, like, I want to be there. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to be better. I want to be better. That's, wow, so yeah. important. Do either one of you go to therapy? No. I, I, I don't go to therapy. Um. I think it's important. I mean, like, you know, just even wondering on the initial thoughts of therapy and stuff like that. I think there's, like, a lot I of stigmatism behind it. Like, I, I mean, growing up, absolutely. Even to to this day, absolutely. I think it's getting better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I have a different stance towards, like, therapy, I think, because mm -hmm. um, I think it's important. But What do you I'm, view it I, as? What do you mean? Like, when you think therapy, like, what do you think? Like, in no, your I think it's, I think it's I think it's one of those things that... that can be highly needed for somebody to get to flush their thoughts out, um, just understand themselves better. I think mm -hmm. it's completely normal, and I think it's a positive thing for anybody that goes. Mm -hmm. I think I just sit in a different position about it, only because of my career mm -hmm. at this point. Um, because a lot of mental health diseases and, and mental health, period, therapy-related, a lot of these things start from health and fitness and nutrition, um, and that's where it just goes into things like dopamine and, and endorphins, which now, which are actually considered like antidepressants, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, for me, my stance is 
coping is important, which is where therapy comes in. Mm. But I have more of a stance on prevention. Mm. So for me, it's it's all right. What do we do culturally to 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 lessen the need for these things, right? To lessen the drugs, to lessen the need for therapy, to lessen mm. the need for you know to be diagnosed with mental health illnesses, right? Because a lot of these things are health related, right? Mm. So you know the the brain is a real thing, right? It's right. a powerful thing. The right. gut is a powerful thing, and those things don't get enough attention. Um, so I think right now we live in an interesting time where we're only focusing on therapy from mental health period from how to cope with mental health, Mm. but we're not focusing on how to prevent mental health or how to lessen the chance of getting mental health because you can, right? So can you eliminate it? Absolutely not. You will never eliminate mental health, right? But can you lessen it? Absolutely. Can you drop, can you lower the chance of getting things like dementia to, um, schizophrenia to to whatever the case may be, bipolar disorder. These things can be lessened if if people Predict live the right, right, right. If they, right. And a lot of that lives in how we're eating. Um, yeah. A lot of that lives in just being active, right? Like and like I said, I was on like I was on the panel the other week, and we talked about why it's not a big enough deal, and it's not sexy. It's not. It's not. Talking about dopamine and endorphins is not a sexy topic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is, there's not enough buzzword behind that, right? So, you know, the way dopamine works is that if you're active, your body releases it. And if it releases it, it puts you into a more mellow state. You now have the ability to, to work with stressors better, right? Like yeah. fight or flight, right? When you get fight or flight moments, you, you're you at a high at 100% and you got to do whatever you can to get out of that, right? I think, but, that, I think that's really, really important that you said that because as a child, I used to chase things like that. So for me, like I used to have really low lows. So yeah. I would be like times like I would like I wouldn't go straight home from school, but like I would like ch- like hang out with my friends and stuff, go home. But I would have such low lows. Like I'm like yo, like this life stuff. Like I really can't do this. Like I would just like psych sure. myself out so badly. But then I would chase such like a high high. Like I need that dopamine. Yeah, yeah. Like I need something to like keep me going. So yeah. whether it be like let's go drink alcohol or like let's go party, let's go do something. Let's like keep it going. Like yeah, I yeah. need that adrenaline. I need that dopamine. Like I need something to like make me feel like more of like a person besides that like lowest low. Right. And like as I'm growing older, like I'm realizing like I can get to that point without having to take drugs or like what, any supplements yeah, or something the, the like counter, that. Yeah, because the counter the counter effect of those is they put you in a super low. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. So you you it's hit temporary. a su- right. right. It's so you a hit a super thing. high. Yeah. And then you hit a super low. So yeah. that's where it, that's tough. You know what I'm saying? But um, just in the effects of and they don't teaching, tell you that. No, they don't. But they also don't tell you how important. Health and fitness is in in regards to mental health either. Yeah. I'm pretty sure nobody's so heard of this until right. I said it. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I, it's not. A, my it's not brother a thing. touches on it a lot. Right. I, I think because our culture is so reactive, we don't often chase like the proactive as far as like sure. the lifestyle of fit, of health and fitness is sort of what could what you described could. Uh, alleviate from right. you know the mental health issues and not all of them of course because some things you just really need help sure. like of course like if you can't get out of bed you ain't gonna go running mm-hmm. you know like right. there are, i get it but i think like for me when i was depressed 
thank God I had my brother because his outlook was very much you. Like, you got you to gotta get up. Like, even if you just go for a walk, you're going to feel better. 100%. I promise. I promise. And I'd be like, it's so hard. Like, I don't even want to do anything. But I would see him get up, exercise every day. This is like while I'm working in Delta. And I'm like, I hate my life right now. And he would just be like up. He would make me a healthy meal. He'd go to work. I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to get out of bed, whatever. But then I'd have moments where I'm like, let me just try what he's doing. He's happy as hell. I'm not. What can I lose? Like, I have nothing to lose. And the more now I'm so focused on wellness as a lifestyle, I think people are not trying to, to do the work of as far as like, because going and exercising and really committing to that life, it is a lot of work. It would be easier for me to be like, I have a problem, let me just go talk about it and make no actual change. And right. I think people are comfortable in that spot too. Right. Whereas like, it's easier for me to be like, let me just go talk about my problems and then keep living my life. And I mm -hmm. think it comes to a point of like, what my mom always says is, like even with medication it's not going it's going to help reduce the symptoms but if you want to get to the actual like root of it you, it's different you like do the work you know so i think i think with people you have to see like do you want this problem like do you want to do go deep and like be able to alleviate this from controlling you for the rest of your life or do you want to just like you know dull and, and dull it's it crazy because it's right. free so yeah. right and and that's the thing about the medication part even that you mentioned it like there was a study in like the english journal where they uh did like a placebo and they gave some other people meds and the relapse effect of people who take meds for things um is like two times higher than people who just go through it through nutrition and exercise, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So the chance of relapsing from taking meds is so high that's almost not even worth it. But at this mm -hmm. point, we also live in, and this is a whole other topic, where it's like a sick care versus health care system first. So at that point, they push pills differently. Mm -hmm. And you could go right. in, you could go in for a root canal. You'll leave with, right. with it's a with, business. With, with, right. Right. A lot with, of people right. they don't even right. it's a business. Methanol, they right? want so you to take that. Right. So it's big business. So that also puts us down as well right and it's easy to prey on you know the innocent it's easy to prey on the underprivileged right. it's easy to play on black and brown think about people, like black a and little, brown folks all day think mm -hmm. about like a little black kid in like let's say like elementary school or like let's say like middle school right he's like jumpy he's energetic he's always getting in trouble it's easier for you to be like okay like he has a problem like or like, yeah like it's, it's yeah. yeah it's easier for you to like put him on pills than for you to like actually like see what's actually going on maybe mm -hmm. like you can put him like in an after school class maybe all of that energy can go to better use for him mm -hmm. like there's other ways but like no let's just put him on pills yeah. something's not right with him yeah. or like that one child that's just always doing something like let's just put him on something yeah. it's always easier like think about like when you were in school there was always that one kid like you knew like like took pills quote unquote mm -hmm. or like was on something or like yeah. they, he gotta take his pills or whatever case may be what if that kid just needed you don't even know what his home life is like right. what if he just needed something else what if he needed to put that energy somewhere else and that was the easiest well, that's, fix that's, it's that's easier the problem for with them. healthcare right that's, that was the easiest right. fix that's the healthcare mm -hmm. issue yeah. and like I said that's a whole different podcast yeah. Right. That's, right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, professionals. Right. right. And on yeah. the and the, on the other end of that too, there's this glamorization of being like on pills or like even saying that like you have a mental illness yeah. or whatever. Like we've noticed like within like maybe the last couple of months, couple of years, people are like highlighting depression. It's like glorified a bit. Yeah, it's glorified. Right. Yeah, and it, it and it almost to me kind of seems disrespectful to the community of individuals who are actually affected by yeah. it it's, instead of putting, oh, I have depression and anxiety on my on a T-shirt and selling that. You I know? think, like, yeah, I think it's... Yeah. People don't, I, people don't know any better, in my opinion, so I, mm -hmm. I kind of agree with you. I think it gets 
murky because like to be in a depressive state is normal that's like being sad right anxiety is is really just a word it can be positive or negative like there's a positive sense of anxiety yeah. as well right. right where it just makes you more alert and you know you're paying attention to things right a lot of times especially for like you know entrepreneurs when you know we as we climb these ladders we go through a lot of anxiety moments and mm-hmm. a lot of it isn't always negative a lot of it is just like just being on my p's yeah, and q's you right. know what I'm saying? so anxiety can be either or depression is really just you know being sad and stuff like that you know what I'm saying? and i think um i think it became a buzzword, which is why I agree with you. And it became a buzzword. It doesn't really mean anything anymore mm-hmm. because now a lot of places are talking about it and nobody's doing the work behind it. Mm-hmm. And nobody's actually talking about like how to fix this, really. Right. They're just talking about it, right. right? So I agree with that part. I think we're also getting to a point where people, the internet's powerful, man. Like, like, like it's so much different from, you know, 25 years ago when, when these things happened and there were no outlets. Right. And now... You know, it's it's, now like, it's you right turn. and They're right, and then it, and then yeah. we're seeing people who, let's say, like celebrities, right? Yeah. And then we're seeing celebrities, and you're like, wait, you have millions of dollars. What are you depressed what do you have about? Some, what do you have? Oh and goodness. then and then and then they Kurt Cobain <laughs> themselves, or or the guy from um, Coldplay, right? Or uh, was it Coldplay? Um, what? No, Lincoln Park, yeah, right? Lincoln Park. Right, oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And they they see they see guys like that, Amy Winehouse, and they, and they, Robin Williams, right? All that, and right, they and they. Take Ooh. their lives and you or know whatever what's even the case worse people like you have all these Ooh. people around you. Why didn't you talk to somebody? I know. And like what I always tell people, like why it's didn't not the that one that, simple. Yeah, like when it's I released my article, worse. people were like coming to me. They're like, why didn't you talk to me? And I'm like, if I could have, I would have. It's not that simple. It's not no, that simple. It's, like it's, it's not, not. It's it's not. It's not like I want to talk to you about that. And even in those moments when you want to talk to somebody, nobody is around. Or they're, yeah, yeah, but like for me, it was more of a like I didn't even know where to start. Like once I figure out where to start, where to tell you where the issue is. I don't even know how to explain this. How to explain this? Right and now. it's so <laughs> not even that it's taboo it's just so new yeah. right, in, the la- yeah. in the last three years we're, we're seeing you know depression be a thing right. and and mental illness be a thing and people still can't even really define it like right. we're, we're, it's just being said you know and, as i'm so sorry to cut you off but ahead. like as humans like people like to pin their depression against somebody else's right, right right so that's why it's hard to explain it to someone because something that i'm having a hard time with or something that's hurting me something that is deep down like ailing me may seem like something very like simple to you but it, sure. we don't connect the same or we're not thinking the same like our thought process is different so the farther it takes me to get to something or the farther I have to like go to like get over something it might be simple for you so people like to pin their like depression against each other like or like whatever's going on like oh you have it easy guess what's going on with me like listen we're both actually hurting and we both need to seek like some type of help or like we both need to do better for ourselves it makes no sense for me to sit here and be like oh like your depression doesn't matter to me because mine is worse. Or like my situation is worse. Guess what? We both have bad situations. Mm-hmm. How do we get out of it together? Mm-hmm. And that's what people. That's how it's hard to get to people because it's like I'm gonna sit here and tell you about something. You'd be like, "Whoa, it's an easy solve." Right. If it minimizing. was an easy solve, right? If you're people minimizing, minimize people's if hurt. it was an easy solve. I would have just did that. Right. Which, and goes, I'm like, which goes back to people's individual traumas. Right. Yeah, that's right. so true. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so speaking about like internet, the internet, and how powerful it is. Obviously, with this new age of social media, there there's come there's coming this wave of body dysmorphia, mm. like with Snapchat filters, <laughs> and like I've seen headlines where people have like gotten actual plastic surgery to look like the, the filter. The filter. Yeah, I've seen that too, girl. Which is beyond me. But then it's like, wow, it it I can beyond see why. Yeah, it is beyond me. me. <laughs> but I Fact. can see why they would do that because I can see why too. you literally 
are looking at yourself in your phone thinking that you are ugly, but as soon as you put that filter on, you you're a bad bitch. Right, that's, that's how you want to look. It, it do get you like, together. Wait, hold up. It do get you I together. I like this one. Right. I like this face. I'm at the point now in my life where it's like, I don't want to put a selfie up unless I got that little TV screen filter okay, from listen, Snapchat. That filter from heaven. <laughs> I don't know who made that. makes my face okay. Oh, I'm the, I'm the flames. That's me. That one compliments I got real smooth skin on it. Yes. And the eyes are big. Yeah. But no, but it's a problem. It is. And it, like it really messes with our self esteem right. and our confidence, and so it can. Yeah, it can. It if can. you, if, right. as much as you allow it. Because imagine having that, that yeah. Snapchat filter all the time, and then someone takes a picture of you. You look at it, and you're like, Ooh. that's how I feel all the time. Oh, okay. I actually, it's like to yeah. the point now where it's like I don't want to take pictures with people like that. I can't direct because it's like if y'all don't get my good side or it doesn't <laughs> right. have a filter on it, then it's not direct. going up anywhere. <laughs> I'm about to make y'all sign. So I used it. to be like that too, where I like I used to take pictures with my friends, but I'm just like, ooh, maybe not. Like I'll mm-hmm. take the picture. I got y'all. Yeah, like, I don't really feel like being in the picture, but nowadays I'm just like, listen, like I looked how I looked put it up uh-huh. whatever because i still look like this in real life anyway so you're either gonna see it online or in real life and that's right. it yeah i think um social media obviously changed the game for that yeah and instagram and i've said this for years instagram is probably one of the greatest things and worst things that ever happened mm-hmm. to, to, to society, our culture for right sure. to culture for because sure. what happens is the vanity from it right mm-hmm. and yes. And you're starting to pay attention to other people's windows, right? And then you're noticing how much attention they get from it yeah. or how their looks are advancing their career yeah. or becoming influencers, whatever the case may be, right? And it goes from fit tees to whatever the case may be. So at that point, people want to be liked. Those like buttons are real things, right? Mm-hmm. And that just speaks to just human nature. Mm-hmm. So at that point... If the Snapchat filter, you know that if you put that on, that's this is a hitter. This is this is a hundred likes, two hundred likes, three hundred likes. You're gonna run with that filter because you know. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, that affects the youth growing up behind us, mm-hmm. right? Because now they're seeing it where where it's like, oh, that's what it takes to be pretty, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, um, you know, body augmentation or whatever. What? And it's not even that I have a problem with body augmentation per se, but. Your, people are seeing that in the wrong light. Like so, like I remember, Dove had a campaign where they required um, celebrities and other people to to like not post so much, kind of, or like to to state that it isn't what it appears to be, mm-hmm. because they realize that it's affecting kids behind who are more impressionable, or right. sixteen or fifteen. Because to be honest with you, kids are getting cell phones. Poof. Kids are going to be getting cell phones earlier. Every five to ten years, yeah. right, right. So for us, and I don't know about you guys, we were getting, my, we were getting. I'm 32, so we were getting cell phones probably around like 16, 18. And I'm younger, so, so I got uh, my. And there were no apps. Right. There I were no apps. No, no, my nieces, my, 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 I had a chocolate snake. phone. Okay. Right, my niece <laughs> is not. My niece is nine, and she has a cell phone. Right. right? Yeah. So oh, yeah, no, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's as the, my my daughter's two and completely knows how to open up. My my phone and slide over to YouTube mm-hmm. and then find it. like she Let's like talk about like how I have so, a goddaughter that's six months and she knows how to tap it yeah and she taps wow. it yeah my my daughter too so she know she knows how to open up the iPad and go find the YouTube and mm-hmm. so it's as technology grows because it's getting faster and I fully understand that it also has the hindrance where it's like things like body dysmorphia is going to become more prevalent going mm-hmm. forward or, you know, unless, you know, people speak out about it maybe, right? But these things are going to happen on a larger scale because a new kid gets a cell phone every minute of the day. 
He's going to say a new kid turns 16 and gets a cell phone every day. <laughs> every right. day. Right now, there are a thousand kids that, are, that, are, leaving, like that, are, that. that are leaving the T-Mobile store right now. What a as we're here, as, <laughs> right now, with, with their mom right now getting their, their first yes. cell phone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So then they're uploading the IGs and they're uploading the Twitters and they're seeing these type of things. And they don't, they're not old enough because the frontal cortex isn't developed enough to be able to process this. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So at this point, they just think this is what is normal this is what this reality is, what, is. What reality is. Yeah. and they don't know how to differentiate like oh this is kind of like for play play you know what I'm saying like, that kind of makes right. me think about like the likes like the conversation about the likes how they want to take it away the likes oh yeah I'm like, totally for that yeah it. I'm totally for that too like I feel like in terms of just like people comparing themselves to other like you could take a picture and then like it could be a bomb picture right yeah. and like you have a good following you have your friends Maybe like a hundred people like it, and then like you have like another girl that like takes like a picture, and like a thousand people like it. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? Or like, right, right. what am I not doing that she's doing? It's or like, a what? Yeah, thing. it's a competitive thing. So you can like you're feeling competitive. Like when I take this picture, I have to edit it. It has to be like top notch. I have mm-hmm. to look top notch because I'm gonna get these likes. Sure. And then like you don't get those likes, and now you're like mad at yourself because like crap. Like why right. is she still getting like a thousand likes? Or like why am I not getting likes? Like it's not that serious. Yes. Right. Yeah. I wanted to field the question back to you though, Renee. Um, especially because you competed um, for Miss USA Delaware? I, I competed for Miss U- So, yeah, so Miss USA is the national pageant. Okay. So Miss Delaware USA is what qualified me to compete at Miss USA. Got it. Yeah. So I just, like, again, so I wanted to know how society's beauty standards have affected you personally, especially during your competition in a beauty pageant. So this is what I'll say about social media. I think that people are like, social media is the problem. Social media is the problem. I think social media just magnifies the personal, uh, I feel like, um, I guess the way we look at ourselves personally. It just magnifies it. So there are people that will post something on Instagram and they will feel like, I mean, it was cute to me, whether I get likes or not, whatever. Like, it doesn't bother them. There are people who will post and it will ruin their entire day. Mm -hmm. It's how you view yourself. The app only magnifies that. I think when I competed... I wasn't even like on, I I guess, I don't know, Instagram wasn't that big of a deal for me, but I I remember because you're competing against 50 other women, right? There would be these moments where I would just be on on Instagram stalking women for two hours, like just looking at all the other states and being like, oh, she's working out. I should start doing that. Oh, I need, oh, her hair looks nice. Maybe I should change my hair color. And then you have people who are like coaching you who are sending you other girls and like, oh, maybe you should try something like that. Maybe you should. And it came to a point where it was like, I can either do this for the rest of my reign, which is only 12 months. So it's like my experience of having this title is only a year. Mm-hmm. Am I going to spend that time comparing myself to all these other women or am I going to be really, really happy with developing who I am and putting that out to the world for others to be like, well, this is who Renee is. Mm-hmm. And she's okay with that. And I think the biggest thing for me is like when I was competing, the standard of like, because we have to do swimsuit, we have to do, so on stage, if, if you guys aren't familiar with Miss USA, you have to do swimsuit, you have to do gown, and then there's like a private interview. For swimsuit, that was my biggest thing because they wanted me to lose all this weight. I look small, but like weight-wise, I was like 156 when I started, right? They wanted me to be like 130. I was like, baby. Mm-hmm. I haven't been below 140 since I was in high school. Like I just have a, a muscular build. Like I just have an athletic build. So it was like impossible for me. And it was months of me like sending them my picture and them sending me like, this is not good enough. You need to lose mm-hmm. more weight. And I'm looking at the mirror like, my family is saying that I look like I'm starving myself and you're telling me it's not good enough. And it came to a point where I was like, I'm just going to get to my personal best. 
And regardless of what the scale says, regardless of what you think, if I like how my body looks, I'm just going to rock with that. Mm-hmm. And it came to a point where it was just like, I am okay feeling good at this place with my body, with myself, regardless of like the feedback I was getting from those of the people who I put my trust in. But it, it again, like, all help you have to be careful with like the amount of help and feedback you get from people that's in just in life in general Mm -hmm. so I think for me with the pageant it was like I got a lot of confidence in myself because I was okay and I went on stage and I was okay and I was still not at the ideal weight that they wanted me to be at and I still ended up placing and and you know placing top 10 and being amongst women who were much smaller than me and I was mad small y'all listen I was mad small like still at 142 but I was so small and I was looking back like and I can't imagine how much smaller they want you to be. What did you? Like, I'm looking back like I was mad small and I couldn't even see it. Yeah. Because I was constantly being told I wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you look back, like you ever think like you looked bad and you took a picture that day, you mm-hmm. look back and I'm like, I, I actually mm-hmm. looked real bomb that day. Like okay. your perception of yourself can be altered so much with apps, with people's feedback. And I think it's so important for you to do the work with like self-love and acceptance of like you're going to have days where you don't look great that does not like take away from the person you are from the value that you have and that you hold and that was the biggest thing that that the pageant told me taught me is like I'm good with myself like regardless of the feedback people thought I should have wore a different color people thought I should have changed my hair people thought I was happy with with how I presented myself. And I think if we had more of that, like I'm happy with how I present myself. I'm happy with how I look. I'm happy with myself. Then if that would resonate, then social media wouldn't be as destructive as it can be to people, in my opinion. But if you altered any of that, then you wouldn't be you. Now you're trying to channel someone else. You're trying to look like somebody else. Like, you're not you anymore. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to look like anybody else but myself. My mom's always telling me that. She's like, oh, you should do this hairstyle. Or, like, you should do this. Like, And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I mm-hmm. want to look like what I want to look like. I want to look like me. Like, I don't have to look like anybody else at all. Mm-hmm. But I feel that on many levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, Irv, you being in a space where you technically put people in a position so they can feel more confident um, sure. within their, their self-image um, and they can be more physically fit. Yeah. How does that affect you and what kinds of um, advice do you give to your clients? Because I know you share like client testimonials. Like there was something I think you posted the other day with Scotty Beam yeah. and I mean we we all follow her and we can see her progression. We know that that I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, well yeah, that's public. I was going to say I don't know no, if I'm no, supposed to share that. No, I, but that's public. I just that's don't it, say, public. But, but, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, but yeah. I, I'm bringing that up just because because you can see the progress with your client and yeah. even just her confidence building. So, you yeah, know, what yeah. is, some, what are those sessions dope, like? Man, man it's, it's dope. It's dope. Working with Scotty is dope mm-hmm. and, and everybody sure. else. Um, so we, 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 we created this thing funny enough, like all of us in this like organic ass sense, we created this thing. It's called like house of Zeus, right? Cause uh, my name, they call me Zeus, right? So the house of Zeus is, is a big deal. And, when you say like, what does it look like inside of these moments inside of this house, right? Mm-hmm. Is there's a lot of learning and unlearning that we go through. You know, I'm I'm a big proprietor of like understanding the mind before the body. I don't care about the weight loss, right? I I, I don't care. That's gonna come. That's what I'm here for. That's actually what you paid me for. I don't care about that, right? I care about the mental component behind this, right? So like with all clients, you know, I ask some questions from like. How do you think this is going to change your life outside of just losing weight, right? Or like even with Scotty or whatever, we had those conversations. Like, what does weight loss mean to you career-wise? Like, mm-hmm. what does this 
what does this do for you in that space? Or like even with the guys that I train, because you know I train guys that that are in front of a camera too, right? A lot of my clients are in front of a camera, and and at this point, you know they got to deal with that stigma or like they got to pay attention to like how people perceive them or, you know, I read the comments on like on some of their stuff and what people say about them or whatever the case may be more or less before we started. But, but, um, but yeah, so a lot of it is, is kind of like reassessing and then reaffirming like the love of self, kind of like you said. Right. And a lot of what we do, we build this thing called the foundation. Right. And, And when we're building the foundation to our house, a lot of it starts with just like how you feel about you, um, you know, how this is probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. But at the same time, you're going to become a different person through this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we use this term where we call it like we're on the road. Right. So like she like she wrote like, you know, she's like, I'm on my way or something like that. Right. Because it comes from this thing that we say I'm on the road, which is like, you know, we're driving this car mm-hmm. and on this car. It's like this, you know, highway to life that we take right now. Mm-hmm. And through it, we're going to go through a lot. bro. We're going to go through dips and turns and ups and downs. You're going to have moments where you hate me. You're going to have moments where you love me. We're going to challenge. Mentally, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to be on your neck sometimes. These things are going to happen. But through all of this, you're going to learn like the utmost level of like self-love. Through all this, you're going to learn the utmost level of just how to respond to challenges, how to respond to stressors, how to respond to naysayers. It's it's a cultural thing in in this house to be honest with you at this point, right? Like it's not even just training. It's which is I think why I've been able or you've been able to see it, right? Mm-hmm. Why I've been able to grow so big with this at this point is because you know when people get here, they leave different, mm-hmm. and and you know that's something I'm super proud of. Yeah, no, that yeah. Is. You know what Remarkable. that sounds like? That sounds like therapy. It is. It is. It really is. Because that's legit how it was for me. Yeah, mind, body, and soul. I mean, it was less body because all I had to do was just take the train there. But um, it was more like very challenging. Like my therapist used to ask me like the hardest questions. Like I would just want to talk about my day. Like I had a great day at school. Mm -hmm. And then she'll be like, how's your mom? And I'm like, oh, she's good. She's like, how's dad? I'm like, oh, he's good. And then she's like, how's home? I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. And then she'll start getting to the nitty gritty and then she'll start asking me like questions and I'll actually have to like think about it. And like sometimes I would be like so upset at her and I'm like, why would you ask that? Like I was having such a good day and now I'm leaving in tears. Mm-hmm. But like it was like one of those things where like you have to think about this. Yeah. Or, like you have to break it down. And you were coping. At yeah, the end of the like day. Yeah. yeah. So it was just like I had to like break that down to get that back up. Like I had to allow myself to be vulnerable yeah. and like to allow myself to feel emotion because that's what I was running from. Right. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, no which brings me back right if we circle back how I talked about the idea of health and fitness becoming one of those levels of therapy for me you know what I'm saying like in what I see right which plays to exactly what you said and it is like therapy I've watched clients cry all the time. I've watched clients storm out of sessions all the time. Yeah. I've watched, no, I've, I've seen it all. I'd be crying. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it all. Just even from conversation, not even yeah. from like the workout. Yeah. Just those conversations of feeling like you can't. It's and then, mental. And right, yeah. right. And and I've seen it. And then you know they wipe the tears and they get back to work. Yeah. So that happens a lot, and yeah. it is like therapy because at this point, I I hear about your boyfriend issues. I hear about your mm-hmm. girlfriend issues. I hear about your home issues. I hear about like your upbringing, right? Clients tell me everything, and you know, in, in this place, you're sworn, yeah. you sworn know, NDAs at this point, right? certified, right? I mean, at this Client point, trainer with, right, 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 no, right. right yeah. I guess with, with the clients that I get to train at this point, yeah, yeah. that shit is like NDA level, right. but 
But we You trying to Beyonce Hey man <laughs> You know he cannot no, Disclose I mean, that yo, on his I mean, podcast no, <laughs> Right right We gonna talk right. about it offline No funny shit if I, was, if I was I'm pretty sure It wouldn't be public um, <laughs> Right but, no, but Blink I, twice I, I have, I, have I, I, I also I mean on, on a side note I have clients that I I can't name you know Right yeah, like, no, I Right right No I have clients That I don't put on Instagram of I have clients course, yeah. that, that I train that That people don't know I train them And, and we're perfectly Comfortable with yeah. that You know what I'm saying So it just depends Right um, so Tamika, I did want to ask you, what do you think the biggest thing your therapist unlocked out of you? Oh, that's a good one. Um, what's crazy is that like nowadays, like I come to her and like I tell her what I think my problem is. I'm like, yeah, like I can't commit because this, that, and a third. Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, wow. So like you're very self-aware. Like I became very self-aware after a point. But I think for me what it was was more so like how my how my relationship with my parents actually like changed how I felt about myself mm-hmm. so there would be times where like we'd be talking and like she's like oh like um let's say for like the invalidation so for me one of my biggest things as like going into adulthood which I realized like in college is that like I if I felt like I was going to be invalidated I would just like forfeit that conversation so let's say like in a relationship like if I'm telling you like you know like I like need this I need that and like you're like well no you don't or like there would be like times like people would be like yeah like you're asking for a lot or like Mm -hmm. those other stuff and I feel like I'm being invalidated I wouldn't ask again Mm -hmm. or like I just feel like okay like I'm gonna take what I can get because obviously like that's what I'm getting so I'm just and that doesn't hurt anyone but you then that's not hurting anybody else but Mm -hmm. me so I'm so sorry so for me I had a relationship in high school and like it was like really traumatic because like um, I was going through what I was going through and like he actually didn't know until like maybe like halfway into our relationship like I told him and then he was just like what like I spend every day with you how didn't about I notice about you cutting yes about oh, me okay. cutting mm-hmm. so he just never knew and like he felt bad for himself because like he's just like wow like I spend every day with you and I had no idea but like for me I just didn't want to tell him because like I felt like he was going to invalidate me mm-hmm. or like tell me that like I'm crazy or like something like that so for me the big thing that she unlocked was the validation. Like, mm. I feel like right now, I cannot tell you how I feel because you're going to tell me that it's not true. Mm. Or, like, you're going to tell me that, like, there's nothing I could do about that. That's you. You're yeah. going to blame it on me. Yeah. How has your um, mental state of mind um, affected you in, like, your dating and relationship experience? Oh, that's a goodie. Um, it's it's really hard. Sometimes it's, like, for me personally right now, I'm single, and I, I actually just want to remain single. It's not about, like, finding someone. I feel like I'm literally having, like, the best time like by you're myself. At peace. Yeah. yeah, like, I'm at peace by myself. Like, I'm not looking for anything. I don't really, like, want to, like, complicate that because I'm still, like, in a process of trying to get to know myself, and I feel like these are my best years for it. And I want to make sure that before I even, like, I try to commit with someone that I try to like unlock a few of those things mm-hmm. that I try to unlock oh <laughs> I try to unlock a few of those things but um for me dating it gets so hard because it's kind of like that question like what can I tell you and what shouldn't I tell you mm-hmm. like what can we unlock and what can't I unlock like I don't want to tell you too much because like I don't want you to run or like I don't want you to feel like you have to like walk on eggshells like yeah. just because I have like a disorder or I had a disorder or like it could like come back because I've actually I haven't cut myself like in over a year well, so yeah fine. so like I don't even think about it but mm-hmm. like that's not saying that something traumatic might not happen to me right. and like it could happen again and you don't know how they're going to react and I don't know how yeah. you're going to react so if I did tell somebody I would tell them like a year into it so like I was actually like um, talking to a guy in college and like um, towards like the ending of like my senior year um, it kind of fizzled out but like we were still like really like good friends like we just like talked all the time we still hung out like here and there Um, it was on and off but like we were just like really good friends and like 
on my way out, I was just like, I don't know where I'm about to go, but I don't want to go back home. Like, that was, like, my biggest fear was, like, going back home because that's where, like, the root of, like, all my issues had started. And, mm-hmm. like, while I was in school, like, I did have, like, certain times where, like, my um, like my cutting did flare up, but, like, I was, like, doing good. Like, I was, like, months in, like, nothing happened. Like, I was, like, in a good place. And, like, I felt like going home was going to ruin that. So I was, like, really, like, apprehensive about going back home. So, like, I was just, like, texting him one day, and I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm really sad. And I swear to God, I'll never forget this because this is just, like, the daily things that you deal with in dating when people just don't know how to, like, react to certain things. But he was just like, well, stop being sad. Oh, honey. And I was like, all right. Um, I'm gonna work on that. You are a genius. Yo, you (laughs) just, you literally just encoded that. I'm gonna work on that. But at that very moment, it just showed me that, like, at that point, he wasn't mature. Yeah, he wasn't mature enough, like, to actually, like, deal with something like that. And, like, the funny thing is, like, I knew that, like, he did, like, deal with things like that. Mm -hmm. Not, like, what I had going on. But, like, you know, everybody has, like, their depressed states, like, Mm -hmm. like we said before. But, like, I knew at that point that he was not mature enough to handle a conversation like that. So I actually didn't tell him. Let alone a whole ass relationship. Right, a relationship. I mean, that was gonna happen anyways but like yeah it was gonna work out anyways but like as a friend like I just like would feel more comfortable to actually tell you that but like I actually just ended up telling him like recently like when my article came out and like I had a completely different reaction Mm -hmm. than when I had back then so I'm like really happy for his growth but it's literally just like finding out like who and what I can tell you like I have to be able to like be in a relationship where they're like emotionally aware and like if they're emotionally unaware like the same way I am then it's just not gonna work out because there's a level of emotional like um, let's say like clarity that I need like if I say something or if I want to talk to you like I don't need someone that's going to invalidate me and if that's like number one for me so if I'm talking to you or like I need to have like a serious conversation with you and like if it comes to the point where like say if I did write you a paragraph and like I feel like I really just had to get that off my chest and like say if I get like a one word or back or like if I don't get like the response that I want back or you're mm-hmm. telling me that alright like I'm blowing it out of proportion like I'm not blowing it out of proportion I'm telling you what I feel like I'm telling you what I'm thinking and like mm-hmm. I need you to like literally like read into that and see where you fit into that because there's two of us in this situation so if i'm saying something i'm not making that shit up if you feel like i'm making that shit up okay but like i swear to god i'm not making this shit up like (laughs) it's two of us in this shit like you have to figure out where you fit into what i just said like if i'm letting you know how you're making me feel that's that's what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i'm not changing what i just said Mm -hmm. so like if i write you and i say okay this is how you made me feel and like it takes you like a day or more to respond or like you say that i have to think about my response like okay then i'm just gonna think about like my place in your life because obviously it's just like not there so at this point like moving forward just like in relationships and like I have a whole career going. I need someone like stability because I feel like that's something that I was missing as a child. Mm-hmm. I never had stability. And who can emotionally support you? Right. So it's like, and it's like I emotionally support myself. So mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen as like a burden. Like mm-hmm. for half the time, I even forget that like something was wrong with me. Like I feel normal, but like I remind myself. You are normal. Exactly. I am normal, but that's like right. I, there's times that like you know I'm going to realize that like okay. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I need to be able to be like, okay, like, I'm not, I need to be able to tell you I'm not okay. Or like, I need to be able to, yeah, and you Mm -hmm. respect that. Like, I need my space right now. Or if I don't want my space, that like, I don't want to talk about it, but I don't want to be alone. Like, I don't feel like being alone because of like reasons for their own. Like, I need someone around me or like something like that. So someone that just like understands that. And like, for me, even like dating in college, like it's college. So like, you're you're in like close proximity. So like, sometimes like I would have a bad day and like, I would think like, honestly, like, like, I had that urge to, like, want to cut myself. But instead of doing 
something like that bad, I would just be like, hey, like, can I come over? Like, can mm-hmm. I hang out with you? you pour yourself yeah, in that I would like put yeah. myself in someone else's presence where I like I could just be around someone else where I wouldn't have to like think about that. But like, you know, like it kind of sucks where like I want to be around someone or like I want to like chill with someone. And then like there's all this external stuff like other girls and like all this other stuff. So I'm thinking about this one thing. Right. And, like you're on a whole it nother a page. Whole, there's a whole yeah. nother thing. So like for me, um, I feel like not that like I use people, but like I feel like for me the comfort was one thing, but I wasn't really looking for like the long term relationships. And like if you were dating other people, for me I understand what it is to be single. I understand what it is to be dating. I understand what it is to be a teenager, a young adult, and to want to talk to other people, to want to date other people. And I feel like I'm never gonna stop anybody from doing what they want to do. But the moment that it cuts into my life and what I need and what I want, that's when it's like game over. Mm. So that's like you got to keep it real with yourself. Like you got to know what you can handle and what you can't handle you got to know what the truth is and what the real is and what the real isn't so once you understand that it becomes a little bit smoother that's a fact yeah yes what about you renee dating yeah like how Ooh, yes. yes what was the question <laughs> the, the question is i know she was just sitting there like you know what <laughs> i was like oh good for you girl because i just be <laughs> It took a while to get to this point, I swear to God. Oh, my God, stop. So just your your mental state of mind currently and how that has been in your dating and relationship life. My mental state currently is just like, I think I spent a lot of time, especially when I turned turned 20, well, I'm 26 now. When I turned 25, I had this real moment with myself where I was like, you lied to yourself for so long and put so so much pressure on yourself that didn't belong there. I don't know why or when I started telling myself that all these things were going to happen when I was 25. Mm-hmm. Like, remember that? Oh, yes. Remember, remember that? Because you know when you're 15 <laughs> and you're like 10 years my from now. My 25 year old life, I was supposed to be lit. married with two kids. Okay, I'm supposed to be home. almost married. <laughs> you were lit. With, when people right. asked you when you were 15, 10 years from now, you're like, please, honey, this is my life, this is my life, this is my life. Right. And when I turned 25, I had just quit my job, so I was broke, broke. And I'm trying to figure out how the 15-year-old me wasn't even close. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then coming to terms with you had put all these expectations for your life of what you thought was going to be success at this age. Mm -hmm. And you're now having a hard time accepting reality of where you're at. Not that your reality is bad, but when when you're comparing your your uh present with what like you made up in your mind right there is sort of like a a sad i was just so sad and very disappointed because i felt like i had let myself down Mm. when in fact i had just set myself up for failure because it was like instead of being like this is where i am this is where i'm going i was so like focused on like all these things that didn't happen i'm alone i'm not like i have a definition for that i call that fairy tale syndrome that's like my personal i was in disneyland right (laughs) i mean in disneyland disney world all that so at 25 i had this real like wake up moment like wake up call of like okay this is where we're at and and you didn't fail because these things didn't happen like mm-hmm. and it's okay and you don't need another person to validate you at this moment because you're this age and that to me honey took a lot of weight off my shoulders because when I turned 25 I was like dang ain't no dude calling me to be like I'm so happy Da-da-da-da, we're together it was it was not what I had imagined, but because I started to accept where I was and 
realized that I was looking for validation in that relationship, it didn't even matter who he was. It was like, I'm 25. This should be happening for mm-hmm. me. Right. And that didn't happen. And I'm so glad that I took a step back and, and I was like, well, what do you want personally? You had put so much weight on a relationship that was supposed to happen and all these things that were supposed to happen. It was like, because that's what I saw my parents do. Mm-hmm. So growing up, awesome i feel like my parents painted a very unrealistic picture for me so because you know one in a lifetime thing like 21 they're married so i'm like you know Uh i'm gonna have my kids yeah Yeah. now i look back i'm like y'all were on crack you know (laughs) having seven kids by the time you're 27 you're nuts oh my god you know i'm 26 now you think i could have a a baby i mean maybe but like there were six of us the climate has changed my mom had six kids by the time she was my age I'm not finna do that. Yeah. You know, God bless y'all. But I think like coming into my own and being like able to accept where I am and where I'm going was a big thing for me. I'm not necessarily looking for anyone because I'm doing a lot of self work and a lot of realization. I think you touched on it earlier, like being an entrepreneur and how much mental, there's so much mental that went into me after I quit my job and started my business of like, there were lies I had told myself of why this couldn't work and having to work through that personally also is reflective in your business because it's how you approach it is way differently because some of the restrictions you put on yourself are then seen in, in, in business. And I would be like in meetings, not feeling worthy and, and being like, well, should I feel kind of uncomfortable? Like, am I supposed to be here? And it's like, no, you are. And I think doing the work now is reflective of like the success of having in my business and the decisions I make, I'm not no longer holding myself back. And I think that's because I'm doing the work Mm -hmm. internally of being like, you can have whatever you want. And I'm doing my affirmation and I'm seeing myself as the person that God sees me and not the person that, you know, society has put limitations on or seeing myself and compare myself to others. Like creating your own reality is tough, but possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think for me, I'm living in this world of like, it's possible. Whatever it is that you see for yourself is possible. And, um, yeah man it's a work in progress like it's a lot Mm -hmm. but i'm really happy i don't think i would necessarily want to bring another human being into where i'm at right now Mm -hmm. because and and that's what i kind of explained to you know a couple of people i was like i'm not in a place to like even add value to a relationship right now Mm -hmm. because i'm doing i'm adding so much value to myself right now and i need to be because for years i wasn't doing it yeah so it's like i gotta do it right now because i don't want to be 30 i don't want to be 35 40 you know you see people now i see people who i'm like you didn't do the work and this is why you're like this i see it now i'm like that could be me if i don't like so that's where i'm at right now yeah and that's very mature of you because i feel like a lot of people just get into this space where they just trying to couple up or like just do whatever just so they can just be booed up something but i know but i think that's more of an internal thing because like let's say for instance like uh, a female being with a guy that you know that you have no you why are you with that you person? Ain't got no business you ain't got no business being with that person. Mm-hmm. And I was in that place too. Like I used to think about it too. Like even though I'm in high school, like my boyfriend, like he used to cheat all the time. Like for me, like I was just like he's young, he's learning. I was giving excuses out the That's wazoo. Crazy. I was pulling shit out my ass. Like as a was, kid, right? As a kid, so it was mm-hmm. just like. But we had like a connection. I or that's what I was telling myself at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I know him better than anybody else. That's my best friend. Like he's still learning, and I'm just making excuses for why you're a shitty ass person. Mm-hmm. But like as you grow up, like certain people 
people's behavior like that just continues. Like, they don't get that. So now you're like a grown-ass man and you're still doing what you were doing as a high school student because right. nobody checked you. Nobody told you about yourself. Nobody left your ass. Nobody left you to, like, actually think about the consequences of your actions, which I wish that I would have did at that point. Like, I still did it, but, like, I did it later on in the game. So I wish I would have, like, showed him in high school, like, yeah, like, I'm that bitch. Like, you're not about to do that to me. I did show him that later on in the <laughs> game. At that point, y'all both growing, so yeah. I got right, yeah. right, right. So, like, I, right. at that point, so. like, it took me, and I had, like, my own issues. So, right. like, this is, like, playing with my confidence, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, like, thinking, like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to get better than this because who else is going to uh, want me? Sure. So it's just, like, a it's a mind thing. But, like, as it you get older, true. it's just, like, you know what you want. You know what you're worth. So why are you letting any man walk into your life and uh, think yeah. that he's going to treat Ooh, you any other self Listen, the self-worth, I walk into therapy, and I'm like, let me tell you about this. Like, we joke about it now, but, like, that's kind of, like, why I'm single because I just don't feel like I have to minimize myself to like adhere and to anybody don't. else's shit. Right. Yeah, I think I identify a lot with with a lot of your perspective. I guess maybe because of the entrepreneurial route, mm-hmm. but but time is time is is not enough of it, right? And, yeah. And I've I've come to realize through like experimentation here clearly um, that I don't have the time the way that I want it to dedicate it to somebody else. That so too. I I like I am. I am openly selfish. Like I, like somebody, they'll be like, "Hey, can, you know, just get a girlfriend." Eh. I cannot uh, because right because <laughs> I because, because I, I don't want to dedicate. The, it's not even that I solely don't have. Like that would be a cop out. I arguably don't want to dedicate that much time, right? Because I, I have two kids, right? Two amazing kids. I have my own business. I have my own sanity, right? Yeah. That that, and then you know my family or whatever. That anybody at this point in time right now comes in at like number five yeah. on what mm. on, on the priority you're list, priority. right? Yeah. You, you 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 are you're just not high, yeah. right? So you come in at five, and I can't. And the things above you will never change, right? Yeah. Those kids will never change. My business will never change, right? My own sanity will that you can't be above that, right? So you just place there. So at this point now you're stuck in positions where you and I'm a recluse naturally like I I'm comfortable being alone I am Same. comfortable by myself I, I really am I go to parties by myself right like and the only reason I mean that's okay is because I always know people at the party but mm-hmm. but I'm comfortable being alone so then you get like a, a strong week where you worked all week and you went through business deals to like falling deals to like just whatever the case may be and you sat with yourself trying to build different projects whatever whatever then you get like one day out the week where where you get a second to breathe oh and then God, you have yes. to do- dedicate some of that to somebody else <laughs> now I'm good I, I, don't, right. I don't have it like I, I want to lay in my bed like I'm, I'm that guy and I'm like I'm, I'm busy and my busy means right and my busy means I'm laying in bed like like right, doing nothing is my busy. Like uh, <laughs> right. that's my busy because not, but you're not doing anything. No, but I'm busy no, doing really nothing. Yeah. Right, like that's how this works, <laughs> right? Really so right, so you got to book time. That's it. Right, yeah. and and it's tough. And I mean, I, ideally, I don't want it to always be that way, right? But that's the That's that's where it is now, right. and and I think even more so, it's it's I'd be hard pressed. Like as as of now, I haven't found anybody that. Can deal with being right. in that position. What, you know what I'm right. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. You know what I'm Being number five or understand like dating an entrepreneur is very, very tough, right? right? And because there's like these manic moments. Yeah, I remember. I remember a, a Wale quote a long time ago where it was like, "Yo, if you're like dating a creative or whatever, like just run or some shit like that. If you're yeah. not a creative, and That'd I was like, and it's not. It's not that it is true or not, but I understand it mm. because there's so many things that go on." 
in like your brain, right? Because it doesn't turn off, yeah. right? And 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 yeah, just just last night people. I was I was driving around and um you know I was talking to my homegirl, and then it was like 10 p.m. and my phone is going off or whatever, and she's like your phone is going off. And I was like interestingly enough, work actually actually starts now. You know what I'm saying? Because like throughout the day I train. That's that's cakewalk. It's now after like nine, ten, where people are sending those food logs or whatever, or mm-hmm. I'm I'm planning for the next day. So work is actually now. Like you don't really have a nine to five shut off button, right. no clock out, right. no no slip yeah. or whatever. That's just twenty four seven. So now you got to find somebody that can Get deal it. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning. For me, it's like if this person's an entrepreneur, that'd probably be great. Or if they're just hella busy or whatever, right. that'd be great. I are need you too you, I busy need you. or are they not busy enough? Well, in my lifetime, to be honest with you, in like the last five years of like dating or talking to women, to be honest with you, they're never busy enough. Yeah. Right. Like, then I, I, I haven't found one that, that yeah. I want you to be more busy than me. Like, please. Right. right. Like, let me be the one that's like, I haven't seen you in days, bro. Right. Like, I, I've never had that. I've right. always been the guy where it's like, yeah. Irv, I haven't seen you in, in a week and a half. And right. I'm like, I've been working my ass off for right. a week and a half. You know what I'm saying? Like, these and kids. Surprise. And, it's right. going to be another week. Right. Can we hang out this weekend? I'll see right. you. Yeah. I don't, and I think you really think that you're lying or something. Like, no, like, my life is really this complicated. Right, right, right. I was going to say, like, in this day, Dating culture, there's this like entitlement to people's time. Oh my right. Gosh. So it's like you're living like a oh okay, well you know I like I haven't seen you in a couple of days. Well, can we plan this? And it's like right. as an entrepreneur, as a creative, our schedules are never the same. Never. Like it, it sounds fucking crazy, but like I literally send my boyfriend like my schedule for the month <laughs> yeah. and be like, here are my free days now. Figure right. out what like you're imagine do. working you all know? day and then having to do your passion at night yeah. like. I, I get that. That is my life. I get yeah. that. And I get that. And that's a real thing. Now imagine like even even worse, right? When that shit is all day literally, all, yeah. right? And and you can't even turn that off for, yeah. at, at the way you want to yet, right? Because it's not where you need it to be to be able to turn it off right. like that, right? Yeah. Obviously, you get to a point where where you have a staff or employees right. or whatever you the case may be, you can delegate. Right. But right. as you're building this... <laughs> It's very challenging, and then finding, and then you find yourself hurting that other person, right? Yeah. Right, because you're because neglecting right, because yeah. you're neglecting them, right? That. And I was you know, in, exactly. I was in a situation like I was in a situation in that like that as well, and she wasn't saying anything because she was trying to be hella supportive. supportive. Yeah. So so I'm not around for a week and a half, two weeks. Right. She's not saying anything, she's but I know inside. like she's yeah. hurting through this. Like I know. Right. So in my head now, I feel guilty or whatever. Let me free you. Right. Right. Yeah. No funny shit. It was it was almost like when 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 the you know the ship sailed and it was like yeah this isn't gonna work and it wasn't my call the person was like yeah this isn't gonna work yeah. I was like I feel you like like I was like I was, and it's not that I Be wanted them to go right it's not that I wanted them to go because the person was dope but I was like it's I hard. get it like I yeah. get it this shit is hard yeah. and and somebody else can provide you differently and, yeah. and I'm gonna let you enjoy that yeah. or find yeah. that because I can't It's all it. according to like what you want and what you need but again like I was saying before you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah. What can you handle honest. and what can you I'm not honest. handle? I'm mm-hmm. I don't I'm think honest. people listen though. I think when I tell men that I'm busy I don't think they They don't take you seriously. I don't like it. They don't respect your time. They right. don't. They That's don't. The and I think they think because I so th- I co-founded a um, one company that I have is image management. So we're working with clients. So that's like that doesn't stop. Like right now she's like sending me voice memos and I'm like I don't know what she's talking about. Let's I have to listen that t- to that later. We're in different time zones. Some of my clients are in Europe. So like when they're waking up, I'm supposed to be going to sleep. And if they're like, hey, let's send an email really quick because we need to do this. And oh, I'm gonna about to go to France. Da-da-da. So it's like 
I literally have like no scope on like when like when people are like, can you do this later? I can't. Mm -hmm. If I get a call and we're at dinner, I got to take this call because this could be like this could be the difference between like a six figure deal and like not like I have to take like I can't. I can't like separate it right now. Yeah. So then I, I'm at dinner. I feel rude, and I'm on a call. He's trying to explain to me why we need to put this email together because it's very time. Mm-hmm. There's no balance. So for me, it's like when I tell you I'm busy and that I don't want to neglect you, and I can offer you friendship. I'm serious. Yeah. Like I, I can't do any more. And I think that one, if people would to believe people when they tell you know them where they're at people would be a lot happier i think i had to start doing that myself even before i was an entrepreneur i had a lot of free time because i was working but i wasn't you know it's different when you're entrepreneur when i was not when i was working like a nine to five i did have a lot of free time and when men would tell me they were busy i'd be like "Eh, you know they're busy now that i'm on the other side of it i'm like believe people when they tell you where they're Mm -hmm. at you know that's just my biggest that's my biggest daily advice period if someone tells you they're not available they're not emotionally available believe them. right it's not forcing it believe right. yeah them. even with friends sometimes you just <laughs> sometimes even with friends like sometimes you just are too busy to even see your friends yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying? and and that's another podcast too but like if <laughs> so many episodes right 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 we're about to have, about to have a spin-off right right yeah. right, right. Uh, and and it's it's uh, for, for me at least it's friends that aren't in that same space right yeah. like for example like you and me will see each other outside monthly or whatever somewhere right mm-hmm. right but then if you have friends that don't do that or they're not at these type of events or whatever case may be it's very easy for you to not see them yeah very often you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. because they and just become work, distant they just work regular yeah. jobs which is dope yeah but your life isn't regular in that yeah. regard right and you know right. quote That's air quotes point, right yeah. and then so now it looks like you're distant yeah. or it looks like yeah. you're this guy right because i deal with that every day you're oh, oh you're here or you're right. there oh why you why you ain't show up here and yeah. i'm like but i have to be there right. and i have to be here different. and this, this this was a play move that i had to be there yeah. right, right. It's and, and you guys can't right. Yeah. right and i can't really give you a plus one on my plus one because <laughs> oh, i got it i got invited conversation yesterday i was somebody Ooh, was like Yo, can, can i come i was like i can't invite you when i, I got invited like, right. like, like, like I was invited. that's how this works and oh then, it was like oh, okay you're not right. trying to put me on right, right. right. Listen, it's that entitlement it's business right. bro right. Right. And it's like, oh, like the next time like you go so and so like can i come and i'm just yeah. like listen yeah. i'm lucky i even right. got right. to go right. so, they invited but me you know everyone it seemed like you're not trying to put on for your right right whenever i can and i always tell like because in college like I was like a big um, like a big person on like just like having other people underneath me and like understanding that like it has to be one person that like opens that door that like pulls people through because mm-hmm. I was always the person that knocked down the door for myself but I'm understanding that like as like younger me I would want to like look up to someone and be like oh my god like they're opening doors for right. people so I always wanted to like do that but like there you have to do the work yourself because mm-hmm. I didn't get to where I was by like just like hop skipping and just like knocking on doors and stuff exactly. I'm breaking the door down like right. that's how I feel and like people literally feel like this sense of entitlement where they're just like oh like put me on like you know this person put me on like I once had like someone like um one of my um colleagues from school he was like oh like so and so like you know this person like do you mind like just reaching out to them because like I've emailed them and like um they're not responding to me and ironically I had just met up with that girl like recently and we had lunch together so we were just talking about it she was just like yeah like my like feeds are like crazy because people hit me up all the time Mm -hmm. people always want something and I always have to be somewhere and I like never get the time to myself so i'm just like okay like if she's not responding
responding to you i'm letting you know that like she's a business person so if she's not responding to you there's probably a pile of things that she hasn't even answered yet so don't even take that personally if she's not responding to you take it as either she's very busy and you have to catch her in another moment or like like maybe catch her in person like catch her another way or like just relate to her as like a human because like she's a professional she's literally working all day and like that little bit of time that she does get to herself she's gonna spend on herself so like you're literally trying to find any other person like hit her up and like yes that may be like a good tactic for some people but not for every single case like you have to be able to do the work yourself Mm -hmm. like don't feel bad because someone's not responding to you the way that you think that they should be like Mm -hmm. people are busy people have lives you got to do what you got to do and i think that i think that pins back to mental health all of this right yeah like all of this in regards to like how people see your time or how people mm-hmm. even see you. Your yeah. position. Right, or your yeah. position in life or whatever the case, or what isn't in life, you know what I'm saying? So that takes a toll on your mental health too because then now you start going through all these stressors, right? So right. now you start getting, now you start finding yourself under stress a lot. And then that's, and then you start ignoring it because you're trying to please people, yeah. right? And that I think that this is like a quote where it's like, when the when language stops, disease sets in, mm. right? Meaning like when your body, when you stop listening to your body, like, yo, I need more sleep or whatever because you're outside all the time. Or right. I need I need to be more active because you're always doing for others or something mm-hmm. like that. Or I need to eat better, right? So it's like when, when language stops, that's when disease kicks in and, and now your body starts breaking down and now you you end up with you know <laughs> high blood pressure or or whatever the case may be right or a mental you diagnosed with depression right whatever right. at this point and and those things tie back into how people treat you and how you respond to the stressor you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so right. because life once again stress is just a word there can be positive stress it can be negative stress how you respond to stress is what's going to make or break you down the stretch. You know what I'm saying? So that ties back into, you know, mental health at that point. Right. And at the end of the day, you don't know anybody else's battle. So those people who you see as always busy, always on your Instagram feed, always doing something, always traveling, always doing, that does not mean that they're happy. It doesn't mean that they're happy at all. That's so so true. you're you're watching something that's a facade. Yeah, because I so I can walk around the street every single day and Ooh. just be normal me. But you would half of the people that when I released my article were like, "Yo, you're lying." Like, yeah. yo, like I didn't I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell, and I was just like, that's "What was your point. article again?" So it was basically just about like my childhood and like cutting and all that other stuff. Okay, I actually to tie into what you, I wrote an article after I quit being a flight attendant because again being the what you see is not always reality right i'm in greece child i'm having a time i'm in south africa everyone thinks i'm living life i'm depressed sad right. heartbroken so i quit that job and during the time in the span of two years that i was a flight attendant there were numerous uh suicides that were happening and they would like you know send a a company email and be like our condolences da, da, da. but like we're all talking like this person was 21 years old they just graduated they were flying for six months but the loneliness that happens in this job is like mm. you can't even describe it like there are times where you're one if you're not based in the state that you're from you're living in a whole different state so i'm living in minneapolis i don't know anyone i'm flying like it could be 10 to 15 flights a week where you're just tired. And it's the kind of tired that you, your body doesn't even know how to adjust to. Because I always tell people, imagine the longest flight you've ever been on, the worst flight you've ever been on, and imagine working it. That's what being a flight attendant oh, is hell like. No. Literally, I'm going to London without like right. wanting to like, like right. jump off. So I'm going to London. I'm going to California. To right. You like can't. Right. People are like pack your meals. I'm packing my meals. There's no fridge at the you know at the hotel. Like there's no balance that you could find. So after I seen like okay, I quit now. 
there was like two women that had committed suicide, like not even 25. And I'm just like, man, this hurts my heart. Like I was literally sitting in bed crying because like one, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. If I had ignored the signs and continued in this job, that would have been me. No doubt about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The amount of loneliness that just surrounded like missing Christmas, missing Thanksgiving, missing. You're just not you just feel like you're in like just loneliness. So I wrote an article and it was like why flight attendants are killing themselves and nobody cares. And I just wrote it because I was on my bed crying and I was like, I feel like someone needs to speak up for these voices that are clearly like people are suffering in silence to the point where I'm just like, nobody cares. And I remember describing it to my family like I'm in a bad place. And because my pictures on Instagram maybe looked happy or I'm smiling in Dublin, I don't. I think it was hard for people to actualize mm-hmm. the depression and the sadness I was going through. So when I wrote that article, I was like, I'm just going to put it out there. That article has like over 100 like K reads. Wow. They reached out to me and um, from Germany and they wanted to translate it because they were like, we think our readers need to hear it. And I was just like, wow. Like, I think it blew my mind to think like, of course, this is so sad. But I was so happy that people were paying attention. And I think like bringing uh, awareness and like putting a voice behind, you know, these kind of topics are so, so important. Like, that's why I'm so happy you're doing this episode. Like, it's crazy. The place that I was in two years ago, I look back and I'm just like, I'm so glad that I was my own rescue. Like, I'm so glad that I stopped waiting for like life to happen or like listening to people who are like, this is going to get better. And I'm like, no, it's not because you've been here for 10 years and you're mad sad, bro. So I'm confused. I think like really just like not minimizing my hurt and knowing that I could move forward into something different. Like I always tell people, do, do not put your mental health like below that job. There are too many people committing suicide to keep that job. Let that job go across the board you should be happy you should not be feeling like you can't even get out of your car to do your job Mm -hmm. you know like you have to make that a priority and Mm -hmm. listen to the signs for yourself too because if you're sitting in your bed and like you're supposed to be going to work right now and you're sitting there you're like i cannot do this shit i don't want to do this shit Mm -hmm. something's telling you don't do this shit Mm -hmm. like you could just be having an off day but if you're having repeated off days where you're having that same feeling that off year that off day that off month Listen to that. Right. You're talking to yourself. Someone is telling you, do not do this. Like, right. you're talking to yourself. You're not psyching yourself out. Those are the signs. It's the same thing, like, when your body's talking to you, when you're tired. Right. Like, if you're telling yourself, like, I'm tired, I cannot do this, don't do it. Yeah. That's it. Speaking of talking back to yourself, and because we do have to wrap it up, because we are over time, <laughs> right. and we can just talk about this talk for hours. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell your 10-year-old self? I'm going to start with you, Earth. Oh, man. Um... <clears throat> What would I tell my ten year old self? That's tough. Um, because I, I I believe in not living with regrets. So um I think I would tell my ten year old self to say yes. And what that means is um accepting things. Like when I was young I was like an aggressive kid, middle child syndrome. You know Capricorn things type of right. Like I was, I was that guy. I was rebellious as a kid. Yes. And um, when things didn't go your way, I was at, you know I always fought back against the machine, whether it was my parents, whether it was the system, whatever the case may be, school. So, in the idea of telling yourself, you know, it's okay to say yes, is it means allowing yourself to accept the things that are and things that aren't. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we, we, you know, and I hope people take that into their current life now Mm -hmm. as well, is like just learning to accept that things aren't always going to work out or things aren't always going to be positive or things aren't. So I didn't understand that before because, you know, I grew up in a religious household as well. And, you know, when it's like this is Jesus complex or idea that, you know, things should be fine. Like we pray to this guy, you know what I'm saying? So, so are this woman, right? And, um, and when it's like that, you, you unfortunately rebel against the machine when things aren't, because you can't process that things don't always go your way mm-hmm. or things don't always work out for the better. So, like I said, um, to close that up, I would tell my 10 year old self how to say yes to understanding that, you know, or accepting that things are going to happen. And I think that makes for a better perspective on life. Mm-hmm. And then you see things differently through your glasses and, and you now handle stress better, right? And you live better. And ideally, it turns you into a more well-rounded person at that point because you're not always aggressive or angry that things aren't panning out, right? Amazing. What about you, Tanika? I would say, to like put it into one quote, you are everything that you need to be. So I feel like for me, like, of course, like being invalidated and whether it be like a relationship, my parents, my friendships, like, of course, there's always room for growth, but you should never, no one should ever make you feel like you're less of who you are or like there's something wrong with you or like you are not everything that you are. I'm not lesser of a person because I used to cut myself. I'm not lesser of a person because I go to therapy. I'm everything that I need to be and more. So, and that goes for everything. That's beautiful. Go ahead, Renee. I I think honestly, I would just from what I from my ten year old self, I, I feel like I was pretty smart when I was ten. <laughs> but like even now as an adult, I think I would just tell myself, "You are becoming," and and that is okay. And I think a lot of times, like I think that's the biggest like reassurance I give myself is like, "You are becoming." Like just continue to do the work, continue to live, continue to have those experiences and continue to know that it's all it's all being added to you and working in your favor. And that's what I would want my 10 year old self to know. I would also say stop eating so much candy because, you know, the cavities got real, real. <laughs> but no, like, just like you are becoming and that is OK. Yeah. You know, that's that's OK. I love that. And yeah. I think I would tell my 10 year old self um, to listen to my creative intuition. Mm. I had so many like cool little crafty ideas, ideas um, growing up, but I just let like family or friends just rain on my parade mm. and just completely kill um, any kind of like innovation that I had. Yeah. And I really didn't tap into my innovativeness until I was a grown ass woman. Yeah. Um, so I think being able to um, tap into that at a younger age is something I would have pushed myself to do so more so. So, yeah. Um, like I said, we are over time, <laughs> but we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. And I really, really, really appreciate each and every one of you for being here today and sharing your stories. Like, this might be, like, the most vulnerable episode that I've ever done. Um, and thank you for being a part of it. So before thank we you. go ahead. Of course. Yeah. Um, before we go ahead and wrap up, I just want to go around the room and just, you know, shout your socials and where people can find you. I'll start again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on Twitter, it's Mika Banks, M-E-K-A Banks underscore. I'm, I'm hoping that's it. <laughs> and then for Instagram, it's the dot Mikand. And this is Renee Bull. I have, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Miss Bull. It's M-I-S-S-B-U-L-L-L three L's because two L's was taken. It's tragic. <laughs> and I have a YouTube channel that I kind of am consistent on, but it has some yeah. cool uh, content on there. So check it out. It's um, at Renee C. Bull. So that's R-E-N-E-E-C-B-U-L-L. 
Nice. Um, Irv. Um, all right. So my um, <laughs> I I didn't do um the the IG stuff earlier, so that's cool. Um, my IG is Zeus of QLF. Zeus of QLF. Um, I have the interview boot camp, which you guys can catch me at and attend every Monday at 7 p.m. in, in on Fifth Avenue. Um, you know, feel free to stop by class. I think it's one of the best classes in New York City. So, um, you know, I stand by the product. Um, <laughs> right. So, um, if interested in personal training, you can contact me at quantumleapfitness.com. There is um, an inquiry box where we can talk about it. Um, scheduling is very tight. It's, I, I guess I'm intaking still, but scheduling is tight. So if you do email me, please, and if you emailed me before and I didn't write back yet, give me some time, please. <laughs> right. no, seriously, I, I, I wake up to at least two to three a day, to be honest with you. There's not enough wow. time in a day. That's good, though. It's great. It's great. It's just not enough time I'm in a day. I'm booked and busy, right, people. Right. 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 Drinks on him after right. this. Right. <laughs> hey, and, um, um, right. So, um, yeah, Zeus of QLF, you can catch me on Twitter, same thing. Um, other than that, you'll you know, catch me on different platforms when I appear. Awesome. And uh, you can follow me at Via.Simone on Instagram, V-I-A dot S-I-M-O-N-E, Twitter, Via Simone underscore. And please don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud. You know what to search, Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast. And if you want to follow us on social media, that's Bonnets, Durags, no and. So B-O-N-N-E-T-S-D-U-R-A-G-S. Until next time, y'all, stay tuned and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Peace. Bye.